0: We're starting by talking fixtures on this week's Tripe Supper, uh, I was saying earlier this week, I, I look back at, I think it was two years ago when Borough's lost five games included Yeovil and Barnsley and, and, and games like that and you look at this fixture list, even that daunting running and it, it, you know we've got to embrace it have we, it's fantastic isn't it seeing it all there in black and white?
1: I think that's what it's all about, it's, it's what we wanted for the last um, what is it seven years since relegation, you know. You, you mentioned Yeovil there. I remember away games at Plymouth, things like that. And I mean, the novelty factor soon wore off, didn't it? You know, the the idea of going to Preston or Wolverhampton Wanderers. You know, it was nice for about six months. Then you realised, hang on a minute, there's a there's a more exciting party to be at just round the corner that we want to be part of. So, yeah, I I think ultimately the you know looking at the fixtures, and it was always going to be the case no matter who we were drawn against. The opening couple of months for me is crucial. I'm not saying you're gonna to have to go out and win every match, but look as though you're capable of holding your own against teams like Stoke, West Brom, Crystal Palace. You know, if you get if you if you lose occasionally to a Chelsea or a Man United, it's not the end of the world, quite frankly, you know, given this the the respective resources of those clubs. But I think against West Brom and teams like that I've no reason to doubt that Borough can't be competitive. I look at those squads that we're up against and I don't fear them. Yes, they've got a little bit of Premier League now that we haven't, maybe it's got, there's not too many Premier League appearances amongst our first team players, but we've shown in the cup matches and you can take so much out of those that we can uh, hold our own on our day. I I just like that the fixtures are out, it's real, suddenly you can
2: start to plan the season, Uh, the logistics, people will be be booking time off work, although uh, they want to keep a little bit of flexibility because we know quite a few of them are going to change. (laughs) Uh, and also you can start to project your hopes and fears and, you, and your own, whatever your world view is and you see where either we're going to go top or, we, or the wheels are going to fall off. Uh, and, and I like that we start against Stoke, because Stoke are the ultimate b- barometer of whether or not we they can are, do it. You yeah. um, should
1: have been a Tuesday night at it's, Stoke, shouldn't you? <laughs> ideally would, it would have been. Yeah, but, yeah. but <laughs> is he up for a Tuesday night It's still. But, but
2: that is the, the, the kind of Benchmark that we should be aiming at, and, and it is good to measure ourselves against that kind of side because, you know, that they've they've had a, a a good learning curve over the last couple of years. And, they've effectively been the,
1: the a borough, haven't they?
2: And they've got, well. What I like is that they've gone from being the long ball outfit scrambling to stay in the division mm-hmm. to a side that have a a, a bit more about their skill set. Uh, they're playing with a bit more quality. Uh, they're, they're playing more football, and they've and they've established themselves. So. You know, for, for us, that's really where we should be looking to be in a couple of years' So I, so I like that start, and I like the fact that the, it's a relatively gentle start. Yeah. Uh, the next three games after that are teams who finished in the bottom six. So, you know, you'd pick those yourself, wouldn't you? If you were asked to choose those fixtures, I mean, that's probably what they're the ones you'd come up with because it gives you a chance to find your feet, get up to speed, and of course, we will still have new boys bedding in. So that that'll be, I think, relatively gentle for us before it starts to get serious. With that in mind,
0: though, you, you kind of mentioned
2: bedding in there.
0: Is there a bedding in period? Or do you look at those games and think, you know, these are the games where we, where we need to be getting something? Well, I think
1: that's what I was saying. You, I think you do need... You, you look at those games, you mentioned Stoke, then Sunderland, then West Brom, then Palace, then Everton at home. And suddenly then you've got Tottenham, you've got West Ham away, you know, they're in the new stadium. You're coming up against your Arsenal's and Man City's into October, November... You're going to have to get some points somewhere, mm. quite frankly. So why not get them against teams you, as Vic's just said, that you would measure yourself against? You know, Stoke to me have pretty much done what Borough did, which was establish themselves in the Premier League after winning promotion for a strong for for a length length of time. I think this is their eighth season, isn't it? Something like that. And they came up the year before Borough came down. And so it was that game, yeah. wasn't it, when the beat
0: Borough yeah. 1-0? And,
1: and when they came up, everyone thought, well, that could be a yo-yo club, they could go straight back down. But they've managed to hold on. That's, that's, what, that's the crucial part, and that's what Middlesbrough have to do this season. They'll never have a better chance, for me, of, 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 of re-establishing of, re-establish themselves uh, back in the top. I agree point. with
2: that, but there is a bedding-in period, because the first three games that, that we mentioned there before the transfer window closes mm. so all the teams are still in flux and ideally you've got the spine of your team in and ideally the bulk of your squad are in and raring to go and, and you can take advantage of other teams that, that may be in transition as well but in practice we all know that probably at that stage Borough will still be looking for two three players
1: but, over, but without over analysing the fixes you wouldn't want to be ending up those first three matches with just one point on the board no. for example because, because, as you, as you rightly said, Borough will be bedding but the other teams will be bedding in as well. And it, 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 There's a point where it comes that you just suddenly drop behind, don't you? And it's very hard to play catch-up. Now, we saw when Borough under McLaren's first season, I think they lost the first four. Uh, but that was an established Premier League mm. team at the time, just being a little bit in transition. This is a, this is a team that's really new to the Premier League, with, as I said before, a lot of players who have never played at that level before. You get punched early doors. We all we all know that Stoke are not an easy team to play against. Sunderland, whatever we think of them in terms of perennial relegation fodder. Sam's team at Stadium of Light, first home game. That isn't going to be easy. West Brom again. Tony totally Pulis. It doesn't get you know, any tougher than that. You know, you could without without over dramatizing it. You know, the no gimmies, are there?
2: No, the other side of that coin is that a lot of established teams would say we don't want to play the promoted sides in the first few weeks because that's when the adrenaline's there and yeah. the buzz is there. So noise
0: coming from Stoke, isn't it? Really, yeah. in the last few days. Yes.
2: Yeah. From, from the start to the end, then a lot's
0: been said of of that running, and it is brutal, isn't it? There's right. no getting away from that. Um, are you, are you the thinking of we need points on the board before then or the thinking of come the end of the season anything happens, if you need points you'll well, get them it's...
2: Four out of the last six are against sides that potentially are playing for Champions League places so as you say that is brutal for me it's the, the three before that mm. and probably more important uh, when we play Swansea, Hull and Burnley, that could be our week of destiny We've got those three games are in eight days before we go into that final furlong so that could be where Destiny is decided. Uh, as for playing the big boys, I mean, like as like we said earlier, that's what we want to be in this yeah. league for. Uh, we've got to relish that. And um, by then, you know, we, we will know whether the team is good enough or not, and whether people have stepped up to the challenge. And we will know more about the shape and the mentality and the style that Borough are playing in. So maybe we won't be so scared as uh, as it is you know, looking at it on, on paper and, and thinking, "Oh no, we're all going to die." And you do know, Phil, dear, I
0: mean, last season, for example, Chelsea wouldn't have got Leicester on the last day of the season and thought, you know, we're playing, we're playing the title win. So you, you never know, do you, how... You know, we played Bournemouth four days before. They, they could be down for all we know then. They could be in the top ten and comfortable. I mean,
1: probably the most surprising thing about this season just gone was the fact that Leicester didn't hardly dropped any points in the running because that's so unusual. You, for three quarters of a season, the leading clubs averaged two, two points plus a week. You know that they're going to win most matches. They're going to beat just about everybody. And then all of a sudden, you get to the last seven or eight games and it becomes a grind, like we did to get over the line. I mean, Borough drew the final four games, didn't they? Mm. You know, if you said before those last four games, four points will be enough to guarantee promotion, you'd have said, you're joking. If we, if we only get four points in the last four games, it's going to be the playoffs for us. So, so it's amazing how suddenly it becomes a real attritional grind at the end. And I'm sure... If Borough are relatively safe by those last five or six games, and they are playing teams with, who need the results, I can imagine Borough picking up some really impressive um, points there because it, it, you are playing with the you know with one foot with no pressure like Birmingham were when we went to the St Andrews. You know they had nothing to play for that night, and of course it ended up being a, a you know mm. a, a thriller a minute two all draw. So. Um, I guess we're guilty of over-analyzing the fixtures this far out, but it is it is it is a difficult final. You know, you wouldn't like to look at those final four games thinking you had to get something like six points out of them.
0: We, we've spoken in the past about well, plenty of times about the TV deal and games and, and what we can expect. Uh, I know it's all speculation, but is there any games where you look at and you think that's nailed on for coverage? Having having now seen the fixtures,
2: uh, I think Sunderland's fair chance. the uh, Sky did a. Thing on their website this week about ten games to look out for this season, and, and they mentioned the Sunderland Middlesbrough match, so it's in their thinking. Mm. Uh, I think generally they wait to see how the season pans out and what the story is. We you know what the narrative is. I mean, clearly, uh, Jose against Itor is a is a match. That's a story. So we'd probably expect that one. Uh, the rest of it, I think, is driven by positioning the league table.
1: You'd have to think. You're right, and you have to think. Um, we've just mentioned the fixtures at the end. Yeah. You, you've got to imagine that the last game of the season against Liverpool probably could well be a match that has something riding they, on it. They
0: could win the title. Yeah. yeah, they,
1: they could be struggling to qualify <laughs> yeah. for the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen might be back <laughs> to save his skin again. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, you know, a couple of weeks before the end of the season, Man City you know, Bournemouth-Millsborough might be a six-pointer at the other end of the table, who knows, let's hope it isn't, but when you've got games against the big clubs, at the end of the season, there's a good chance they'll be on telling. as Vic says, the Jose Aitor dynamic, you've got to think that the the, the, the Man United games, possibly both of them, will be shown live.
0: Moving on then, uh, transfers, Bernardo Espinosa deal was over the line this week, Vic, uh, you've done something with it with a Spanish expert, talking about Espinosa, what, what, and i would seen what Guillaume Ballagate said as well, which which looks promising. What, what's the thinking on uh, him? He,
2: the, the, he's regarded as a big, physical, imposing uh, monster, basically. Uh, very good in the air. Uh, likes a bit of a grapple against a, a, a front man. And he, he comes highly rated as, as one of the, the leading uh, defenders outside of the big two. So he, it sounds like he's got a good CV. Generally, is well regarded uh, we know that uh, Sport and Gion were, were ready to make him their highest paid ever they were desperate to keep him and he wants to test himself in the Premier League he wants to step up and, and prove that he can do it so he comes here uh, with a good pedigree and hungry and again which I, I find interesting the way the transfers are panning out it's someone that the club and I tour have had in mind for a couple of years uh, possibly last year maybe they couldn't attract him because they were in the Championship uh, now you're in the Premier League, suddenly that, that opens a lot of doors. And it, it's interesting the way the club have gone around, gone about their business this summer. You know, They, they have long-term targets that they're closing in on. Uh, and they're doing it in a very methodical way. We know that the, the player's been over a couple of times to meet Itor to talk about the football inside, the philosophy. Uh, they check out whether he's the, the right personality as much as anything. And we' had a similar story with, with Victor Fisher who'd been over a few times to to check out the the lie of the land and the culture of the club and and they like to get to know the individual before they they push your head with the actual mechanics of the deal, and I, I think that's a good way about going about your business.
0: And, and it's going to keep Ben Gibson and Daniel Ayala on the toes, I'd imagine, Phil. I mean, we, we don't know kind of what Karanka's thinking is with it, but it's, it's much-needed competition because there isn't, although Gibson and Ayala have been absolutely tremendous together, there isn't that real strength in depth if, if one of them gets injured, is there? I guess we've seen that with Ayala's injury.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, you can't imagine Espinosa's company England just to be in the reserves, and... Um... We know that Aitor will pick who he thinks the best pairing is. He doesn't really have favourites in that regard. So, I mean, Ayala's got one year left on his contract. How does he react to that? Does he think, well, I'm staying, it's my place, you take it off me? Or does he think, well, where, where's the, you know, which way is the wind blowing now? We've brought in a young, well, similar age to Ayala, isn't he? A, a, a relatively young, big, strong centre back. Um, you've got to think that Ben Gibson's seen is very much part of the furniture at Middlesbrough, given his, his background, his potential captaincy credentials. So, I mean, as, you're right, you do need more than two centre-backs. and We've seen players flitting and out of that, haven't we? Amorebi, Etta, Kalas, to name just two examples. Dale Fry, of course, one for the future. Um, it's an it's a absolutely key position, as we know. And it's interesting that Borough strengthened their... They're looking to strengthen at right-back. We've got George Friend at left-back. I still wouldn't be surprised if Borough make a move for a bona fide top-notch keeper um, with, with top-flight experience, whether in Europe or in England. So um, it, it tells me that whatever else, Borough will once again focus on keeping the opposition out. You mentioned
0: the keeper there. It has been a talking point, hasn't it, all summer? And and uh, obviously, Dimi Constantopoulos's wife uh, on Twitter, she posted about you know why did it, he's done this, he's done that, and, and you couldn't argue with any of them and, and what he's achieved over the past couple of seasons. Did, did Borough need a keeper?
2: Vic? Uh, I think so. I think uh, uh, whatever else you say about the, the players that have been that have brought in the keepers that have arrived at the club haven't really challenged for the for the shirt. Uh Dimmy's been in on, on merit and you can't argue with the stats. With mean, 22 clean sheets last season. That I mean, that's fantastic. But every shirt has to be the subject of fierce competition. And we can't be complacent and just say, well, you know, Dimmy did good jo- good job last year in the championship. We're stepping up a gear, you know, we're stepping up a level. Uh, whoever's in goal is going to be up against far sharper uh, attackers you know there's going to be a lot more pressure uh, we got used to winning every week last season or a you know, 50% win rate it could be that you know we're losing nearly every week next season and you know one of the reasons for that would be because we're leaking goals and every single position is up for grabs and I don't think we should say anyone is, is uh, you know bulletproof just because they did had a good season last year? I
1: don't think you should say just because you say Burry should get another keeper. That's any indictment on Dimi. Mm. You know, it, the simple fact of the matter is Dimi could be injured in pre-season. Um, he could have a loss of form. And we know that Mejiaz, um, from what we've seen, is far from a guaranteed, nailed-on, top-notch, top-flight uh, keeper. There's no evidence to suggest he is. He's been OK since he had his early wobbles. But he's never been exposed week in week out. I think the other thing to say is that you look at, you look at most what you call the uh, top managers. that have got a ruthless streak, and um, the, the classic example is Brian Clough when Forrest went came up in '77. I know you're going back a long, long way, but the same the same principle applies. He had a team that won promotion that started the season well. Um, or was, was about to start the season well, and. Um, you know, had a, had a reasonable keeper, but he went out and he wanted the best keeper, and he went out and signed Peter Shilton who was arguably the best keeper in England, if not Europe, at the time. Uh, and and his his philosophy was very simple: I start at the back, I want the best. Now, I'm not suggesting Burney to go out and quite repeat that, but you know, we think down the line, you know, Man United, for example, under Ferguson, were never quite the team before and after Peter Schmeichel in a lot of respects. Before that, they messed about with one or two options. Um, and Ferguson brought Peter Schmeichel in, and for, for a decade, you know, he was, as we know, a, a phenomenal keeper. So I do think it's an area that will be addressed, if not immediately, possibly before the end of the transfer window.
0: If, if a keeper comes in, then do you think, and if they come in, say, before the season, and I know it's hard to say because you don't know who he is and you don't know what happens in pre season, but does he then go in as number one, or, or does Dimmy? Do you think well Dimmy's done this, he, he deserves the, the right to at least start. Well, I am just gonna you know, say before
1: Vic comes in, I'm convinced that if they got Shea Given when they wanted him last summer, yeah. he'd have been the number one. Now but I also would say that I thought Karanka is the sort of manager who will make an unpopular decision and say, well, frankly, Dimi's trained better this week. He deserves his chance. Um, he did that against Dimi, didn't he, mm. when Mahias was the
2: well, chosen well, one. Mahias was brought in to be the number one. Yeah. And you know, he, he didn't cut the mustard, so Dimmy kept the kept the shirt, and I expect that would be that would be the only criteria for Ito, the best player, the person who does the best job, uh, not just in in training, but when you know when you get a chance, you've got to do it. If you don't, you're out.
0: What would a new keeper mean for then? Me because we we have seen, you know, Manchester United last year, he was he he was impressive, wasn't he? And in the Manchester City and Arsenal game, he the year previous, he certainly looked. A, a better, more assured keeper than the done at the start of that season when he looked a nervous wreck. Would would with Dimmy, you know, with respect to his coming to the end of his career now, would would they still see Maheas as, as a as a number two of the future who would push the keeper or what the first choice or, or would that be the end of his time at Borough?
2: I think it's down to him. I mean you do need three keepers in your squad. I mean and they brought in a Agat- last year and you know, to be fair, no one even saw him so I can't tell you how he's he right. on the last day of the season. Yeah. <laughs> uh I don't know. I think it's down to the players that are in the squad to prove that they're capable of playing in the Premier League and demanding a shirt by their performances.
1: I don't think it helps, by the way, that we don't really have reserve team football anymore. Mm-hmm. And you so see you get a guy like me, who's been in England now for more than two years, has probably played half a dozen competitive football matches in that time. Now, I can't see... I don't care how well you train... I know it's a bit old-fashioned, this whole idea about playing football matches, but I don't get how well you train. How can you improve as a goalkeeper if you're not playing regularly? Mm. Now, whether that's out on loan somewhere, going back to Whitley for six months, to, 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 you need football matches. You, know, we, you, know, it's, you end up being like Brad Jones, who goes through your career as a, as a number two. And that's fine if that's what you want, but... Do we know Mahias is any good? We don't really, do we? We, we, we? The example we had at the start of the season before last was that he wasn't, and then as Vic said, he did well in the Cups, but really you're still talking about half a dozen matches, and, and with the best will in the world, you know, if he was a real world beater, he'd have been in the team by now and probably established himself as number one, because he's the right age, he's the right size, he's the right build, he's the right nationality. Um, so I think you know the fact that Dimi's kept his place for two years suggests to me that Mejias probably isn't the one in their mind that is going to be the next keeper, But who knows? It's we've never we've never had an honest assessment from the manager about Mejias, have we? Uh,
0: before we move on from the keeper, so are we at all worried about um, who Borough have brought in in the past as a goalkeeper? You know, Blackman. Has failed. Mahela has failed. Agatsi never. We never got a look in. Is he? What's to say that you know they are going to bring a keeper in? And it's going to be the right keeper this time.
2: Well, I think uh, Agatsi and Blackman were brought in as a third third position cover, really. Yeah. Uh, Mahela, he had a nightmare start in the league, and maybe his confidence went. And and sometimes it is difficult to make the transition from a different type of football because if you cast your mind back two or three years. When David De Gea arrived yeah. at Manchester United, he was universally slammed mm. for not being able to take the ball in the air, for lacking confidence, and that wasn't because he was a bad player. That was because he was having problems bridging the culture gap, and sometimes that is an issue. Uh, but you know, you need to be playing football, as Phil said, and if you if you are struggling to make that transition, the last thing you need is four months on the bench in between matches. Uh, I don't think there's any, any automatic reason why someone can't come from outside of the country or from another club and step in and do brilliantly well. I think it just comes down to individuals. I think it comes down to how your first couple of games go. And sometimes it just comes down to luck.
1: And by the way, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if Demi is the number one next season. No, no. It's the sort of thing I would all would do. He hasn't let me down. He's got another year so on his contract. Yeah, he's getting on a little bit, but he still looks fit and agile. Let's go with him.
0: And it should be said that Dimmy stepped up to every single challenge that's been put in front of him. It's incredible.
1: It almost defies Hollywood, doesn't it? Mm. You've got this goalkeeper who was mulling over going back to Hartlepool because that was the best offer on the table. His career, to all intents and purposes, was coming to a close. He went to Borough to help out on the training ground as to the extra keeper because there was too much work on Lutweiler and mm-hmm. Jason Steele. And, and and he was nowhere near the first team till, um, till Aitor Karanka came in. And even then, I'm sure if Jason Steele hadn't been injured, I, could, I couldn't imagine that Dimi would have got on the team that season either. Um, obviously the timing, he brought Shea Gibbon in as well. So it is an incredible story. It's, and it's great because he's a fantastic lad. He comes he is genuinely a nice fella. You know, he's got a lot of time for people. He's married in, to a local girl. He's embraced the north. He's a he's a player. Oh, he's a poolie, really, isn't he? He's, a,
0: he's just set up his own business. Yeah, yeah. You, in the yeah, town? you know,
1: it's, it's a great story. It's so pleasing to see somebody, somebody like that have that. Indian summer to their, to their career, it's, it's, it's a wonderful story.
0: You mentioned Lightweiler there, I'd seen that he'd been linked with a move to Wolves this summer after uh, <laughs> establishing himself in Shrewsbury. Uh, just before we wrap up, at the back end of the week there was the link with, with Lee Catamore which uh, the Sunderland Echo quickly quashed from their end saying that they don't think Sunderland had, had cash in. Um, a bit of conversation again about that, that Premier League experience, is that something that you think Borough will be, will be keeping a close eye out for before we...
2: I think them. we do need a couple of, of seasoned Premier League players. Uh, you know, you, you need the spine of the team that, that knows exactly what it's doing and understands the the demands and the the culture of, of the Premier League. I think the Lee Catamo link has come about primarily because of the interview Steve Gibson did a few months ago, where he mentioned that was a one of the mistakes. But I mean, that was looking back to something that happened eight years ago.
1: I mean, for me. I guess the other question is why would Lee Catamore want to come back here? Has he got any unfinished business? Not really. He, he you know, he, he made his breakthrough here. Um, he was sold, as we've discussed. I, I mean, I think it was a catastrophic uh, decision to sell him. As um, it's no secret, a lot of people have the same opinion. A young local teesider, hungry. Yes, he had a little bit of an edge to him, but he was a teenager or, or a young man learning the game. Um, it was a v- real big feeling of Gareth Southgate's in my view not to, to take on the challenge of you know, guarding him and, and helping him and educating him and making him a better person and player instead of just moving the problem on. We replaced him with a player who didn't you know cost a lot of money and never put it back in on the pitch in Didier Degard and it was like those kind of decisions at the time were being made to the detriment of the club. And I, I, I can't see it doesn't strike me as the sort of lad who sat there thinking I've got unfinished business at Middlesbrough you know that, that's so far gone in his past you know he's you know what, what is he going to do at Middlesbrough in his mind that he isn't going to do at Sunderland you know it's not a case of if Middlesbrough would you know finished fifth last season in the Premier League and going into you but you could understand the appeal of that um, having said that you know it'd be a great addition to the squad I think he's you know he's a fearsome competitor. Yes, he does get booked too much and he's got that aspect to his game, but um, but we've got Grant Ledbetter, got the Adam Clayton, Adam Forshaw, you know, we've got players around the pitch. If we do, you know, if you don't sign a League Cat and Wall I'm I'm not sure sure we need to go and get one. Cheers Phil,
0: cheers Nick, cheers. cheers
1: mate.